Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. I have a little confession I want to share with you folks. I've been a Christian now 25 years, 20, 25 and a half years now. Been in ministry now 20 years and uh, pastoral ministry 15. And in my earlier years of my walk with God, I have to admit, I didn't realize it then, but I'm realizing it now, that I wrote a lot of people off as far as trying to reach them with the gospel. In my mind, I only gravitated to people who were like me. And, you know, what? God was gracious. I, I didn't realize that until he even here really in the last couple of years. And, and, and the reality is, and we're going to see it today in this passage, that when you look at who responds to Jesus, they come from all walks of life. They... They're not just from one social economic status. You under, do you understand what I'm saying? They're, they're people who are different. They, they're people with backgrounds, meaning they got junk back there that they regret, but it's there. They can't do anything about it. They're people who are, have influence. They're people who have nothing. And, and really, you know, as I'm reading through the gospel and as, as I'm reading God's word on my own, God is beginning to show me, you know what? My gospel is for everybody, not just who you think it's for. And that's what we're going to see today. The message today is going to be about the followers of Jesus. We're just going to look at three verses, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 8. And we're going to see a lot in these three verses. I was, when I was originally studying this passage, I was going to combine these three verses, blow over them, and move on to the parable of the sower. But the reality was, is like when I started studying it and started looking at the issues and stuff, it's like God was saying to me, no, don't blow over these verses. You got next week for the parable of the sower. Because there's some truths here that I think are so important for me and for you. They are so important for our church. As we talk about why our church is here. You know, folks, our church is here not for us to come and have a holy huddle. I mean, we have fun together. We had fun last night. And it's okay to have fun, but that's not the reason why we're here. We are vehicles of grace, of God's grace. So let's look at these verses, and then I'm going to show you three things from these verses today, three sections that we're going to divide it into. And hopefully God will speak to us. And hopefully he'll speak through me to you. Now it came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him, from their substance. Basically, I'm going to take these three verses and break it down into three sections. We're going to see the ministry of Jesus. Focus a little bit there, help you to understand. 
we're going to then see their ministry, that is the followers of Jesus' ministry. But before that, we're going to see their diversity. So let's talk about Jesus' ministry. We see that in verse 1. Look with me at verse 1. Two things are going to come out of this verse that I want to point to you that, are, that, have, that really have implications for you and I. Notice what he said. It came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village, preaching and teaching, bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. First thing I want you to see here is that he reached out to all. Jesus reached out to all folks. He went through all the villages. We've already seen this as we've been going through Luke. As we've been going through the gospel, we see that he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And remember, he eats with Pharisees. So he's reaching out to everybody. It doesn't matter what social economic status, whether they're the accepted people or whether they're the outcast. He's reaching out to everyone. That's the example of Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that interesting? So over and over in the Bible, we're called to what? Follow the example of Jesus. In fact, if you think about it, the Apostle Paul is very clear in Philippians chapter 2 that let this mind be in you. What is he talking about? What mind? The mind of Jesus. And this is who Jesus reached out to. He reached out to everyone. He didn't hold back from anyone. It's not what we do, though. I mean, we base it on silly stuff. We mean silly stuff, George. Well, we base it on whether or not they're rude for the Steelers. You laugh, but some people are serious about their game, aren't they? We base it, it's election year, and depending on how things turn out, some of you are going to be really happy, some of you are going to be really ticked off. And you let that consume yourself so much that you will neglect other people because they voted for the other guy, or they voted for the other party. Or here's the worst one, they didn't vote at all. And you'll get upset. You will you find yourself doing silly things like this. Meeting somebody who's from a so different social economic class, and when they shake your hand, you will subconsciously rub yours on your pants. Because you're afraid of catching something from them. You're laughing, but you'd be surprised how many people do that. That, my friends, is the Mindset of humanity. That was not the mindset of Jesus. Jesus reached out to all. No matter what their background was, no matter where they came from, he reached out to all. We see that he went through every community preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. He reached out to all. The second thing I want you to see there is interesting, that even though he, he had a ministry to everyone, he focused on a few. He focused on a few. He, he poured his life into a few people. They were 12. You understand? I mean, think about this. Man, wow. Jesus goes into a community. He's being thronged by multitudes because multitudes are coming to him because Jesus can heal. Jesus can, can bring back the dead. Jesus can bring back sight to the blind. He can make the lame walk. Jesus can do all of these miraculous, spectacular things. And wow, did you hear what he's teaching? And so there are multitudes showing up. But you know what? Jesus didn't focus just on the multitudes. He focused on what? A few select men that he poured his life into. That he taught personally. That he trained. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the premise I want you to understand about Jesus. Because some of us here need to correct our thinking about Jesus. And you might be here today, and you grasp the first one. He's there for everyone. Everyone. But you don't grasp the second one. 
And here's what the second one is that you don't grasp. Because when you think about him being there for everyone, immediately your mind starts thinking, yeah, he's too busy for me. You know what I'm talking about? He's too busy to deal with the junk in my life, to, to even, you know, God, you got that Iraq thing going on, and God, you got that Afghanistan thing going on, and, you know, the economy's got to get better, you know, but there you are. Maybe you've got a family problem. Maybe you've got a job problem. Maybe you just got problems. And in your mind, you think God's there for everybody else but not yourself. I want you to see something about Jesus here. Listen to me. He was there for everyone else. But let me remind you, everybody else didn't accept him. Everybody else turned from him. He focused on a few, their needs, and their walk with God. That was the ministry of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Hopefully for some of you that will bring some freedom to you as you think about it. As you think about where you are. But so I want you to notice that because of his ministry, Jesus had some followers. Jesus had some folks who, who followed him, who committed their lives to him. And he still does to this day, does he not? Because of who he is and what he's done, he still has followers. You are here today, hopefully, because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. But let's look at them. First of all, let's talk about their diversity. Look with me at verse 2 and 3. And certain women had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's servant, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Here's a few things we're going to see here. First of all, they came from different backgrounds. Luke is wanting us to grasp something here that when he talks about these followers of Jesus, and he's going to focus on certain women especially, he wants us to understand that these are not cookie-cutter, perfect, righteous women that he's talking about here. He is talking about people who come from different socioeconomic statuses, and they're all following Jesus. They've got one thing in common, Jesus. So he mentions, okay, Mary Magdalene who probably more than likely had been a prostitute, sold her body to make a living. Not only that, because of the lifestyle she was in, she had opened her life up to demonic influences. So that's one of the followers. The other follower is a woman by the name of Joanna, whose husband is an official in King Herod's court. So he's some sort of government official. And let me explain something to you. Herod was not a really nice guy. He lived for pleasure. So it's a court probably filled with pleasure. And there she is, the wife of the steward, the official. What I want you to see is, he's got people following him from those who are in the ditch to those who don't even know what the ditch looks like. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are the followers of Jesus. Now, here's the implication for you and I. When we talk about sharing our life and what our mission is as a church, we have a tendency to think in terms of people just like us. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's not about people just like us. It's about everyone. And that's what Jesus is showing here. It's about everyone. They came from different backgrounds. Now, here's what joined them together. You've got all these different people from different backgrounds. And remember, the disciples are the same way. Remember, you've got ignorant fishermen. You've got educated tax collectors. There's a whole different... You've got people who are for the Romans, who work for the Romans. You've got people like the zealot who's against the Romans. 
But here's what brought them all together. Here's the next point I want you to see. They experienced the grace of God. They experienced the grace of God. Here's what Luke brings out. He said, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Here's what I want you to see. These are people that had been touched personally by the life of Jesus. Jesus had done something for them. He had freed them from the bondages that they were in, whether it was demonic bondages or it was health bondage. The fact of the matter is Jesus came along and ministered to these folks, and when he ministered to them, they then left what they were doing to help him out. They responded because of grace. That's what drew them together. They responded because of the grace of Jesus Christ. You know what, folks? You know what puts us together here as a church here today? Think about this for a moment. The basis for our unity here today is not the Steelers. We already know that. Even though 90% of us are here for them, there is that other 10%, and we must accept them. And you're saying, I'm not just talking about the Philly guys. Somebody showed up here in a Dallas jersey, okay? All right? So we must accept But aren't you glad that's not the basis of our unity? Because here's some of you are saying, I couldn't care less for any of them. Don't show your hand. (laughs) It's election year. The basis of our unity is not a political party. It's not your guy or gal. The basis of our unity is not what social economics, whether you have it or don't have it, whether you're in management or not, whether you're union or not. That is not the basis of our unity. You don't want to know what the basis of our unity is here as a church? Jesus. Jesus. What he's done for us. The grace that he has shown us. Do you want to know what we all have in common here, folks? Do you want to know what we all have in common here? We've been forgiven. That's the basis of our unity. He has healed us of our infirmities. It's brought healing to his, to our lives. That is the basis. Now, I want you to understand something, because there is another point I want you to see here that really comes out of this passage that really isn't straightforward, but you've got to understand the times to understand what's going on here. They would be seen as scandalous. He said, what do you mean, George? Jesus and his followers, what do you mean they're scandalous? Well, you've got to understand something. We, we, we look at things from our culture today where we have women in authority. We have women as a secretary of state. We have some states where a woman is a governor. We have women who are senators. You might even have a woman boss. And I'm not just talking about the one at home. But in that culture, women were considered less than. They were not to be seen or heard. When a rabbi would go out in that culture with his disciples, I can almost guarantee you it would all be men, no women whatsoever. In fact, the Pharisee of that day would, would say a prayer like this. This is an actual prayer from the, from the writings of that time. Lord, I thank God that I am not a woman or a Gentile. That was the attitude of the religious community of that time. So here you have Jesus coming along. And Jesus is ministering to everyone. First of all, that's scandalous in itself. Remember, we've already seen that. People are not reacting well to Jesus dealing with sinners. And now he's got people following him. And oh my, there's some women following him. See, it's scandalous. Listen, folks, here's reality. I want you to understand something. You've got to grasp something about church. 
I've been church, around church a long time now. You reach out to people who aren't accepted, that's scandalous. You mean they're coming to your church? Aren't you afraid they're going to steal something? What kind of an influence are they going to have on your kids? It's scandalous. And that's what we see about the followers of Jesus. They were from different backgrounds. They all were unified. And let me be honest, their reputation was scandalous to everyone else. That's their diversity. But I want you to see what their ministry was. I want you to see what's going on here with them. And because of the grace that was shown to them. And we've got three things I want you to see here. Number one, out of verse three, we see this. Look with me at verse three. And many others who provided for him from their substance. What I want you to see, first of all, is they responded to grace by being involved. Because the grace that was shown to them, they responded by wanting to do something for Jesus. You know, as a pastor, here's one of the interesting things for me. We really don't know people's hearts. We don't know the genuineness of their decisions. But I can almost tell you there are certain signs that tell me, yes, Christ has done a work in their life. One of them is an eagerness to serve Jesus. Because you see, when, when, when Jesus comes in and does a work in your life and you know it, your natural response is that you want to serve him back. Now, here's the problem. And I'll be honest with you, our church has probably been guilty of this. People come to Christ and immediately that immediate response is, is, I want to do something for you, Jesus. And here's what we'll say to them. Well, that's good, but I'm, I'm sorry. You're divorced. That, that's good, but you know your reputation stinks. They won't say it that way, but that's what they're saying, isn't it? And, and I could go on and on. We could spend all day here with the stuff that we say squelching people from their desire to serve Jesus. My friends, listen to me. They responded to grace by wanting to be involved. You know what? That's what we need to do. We need to let people be involved. Now, I understand there, there are different things that God has set up in His Word where He sets up criterion for it. Yep, we understand that. But let's be honest. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. They responded by wanting to be involved. The other thing, and their involvement took place on two levels here. Two levels. First of all, they ministered personally. They ministered personally. The fact that they're mentioned here is that they personally got involved. They personally got involved with the work of Jesus. They personally did something. It's so easy today to us to fall into the mindset, and it happens, and hopefully it's not here, but I'm sure it is. Somebody's got the mindset, well, isn't that why we got George? And it's a good deal because Lori's thrown in too. Two for one. That's not the mindset. Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, you forgave me. Jesus, you changed my life. What can I do for you? How can I get involved? That's the mindset they have. They wanted to be personally involved. But here, we've got a consumer mentality today in our churches in North America where we've got the professionals there to do the work. Well, let's be honest, folks. You'll meet more people this week than I will in a lifetime, combined, all of you. And they responded to the grace by getting personally involved. Here's the other thing they did. It's interesting. They gave of their resources. Oh, no. There he goes. He's going to talk about money. No, I'm not. First of all, if you know me, I don't talk about money here very often. 
But what I am going to talk about is resources. Money may be a part of it. They gave of their stuff to help Jesus. You know what that means for us today? Maybe that's your experience. Maybe that's your training. Maybe you could turn a wrench and help somebody in the church with their car problem to help save them money because you know they're down on their luck and they can't afford to get it, but they've got to get their car going. Maybe it's doing something else for someone, baking them a pie because maybe their week's not been good and you want to brighten them up and make one of those pumpkin pies for them because it's that time of year, isn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Of your resources. We we think, just to be honest with you, if I had an offering plate here, that once I put myself in that offer, I'm done. I'm I've given up myself to you, Jesus. No. You don't even begin to understand. Give up yourself to help others. That's what he's calling them to. That's how they ministered. Man, when you think about it, how are we doing? Boy, when I read this passage, I was like, I'm not doing too good, Lord. They were a diverse group of people from differing backgrounds who really had nothing in common except Jesus. Because of Jesus, they wanted to do for Him. And they would would be personally involved. And if they could give their left arm, they would give their left arm for Him. Isn't that a mindset? Let me wrap this up. And we're actually going to spend a little bit of time here. I got two questions and a thought, and in, interspersed with this thought, I have, I have a vision I want to share with you—a reality that you and I need to grasp a hold of. The first question is this: Has Jesus touched your life? Now you're saying, why? Why do you got to ask that question? Because here's the fact: I know how we are. We are so busy. We are beyond busy. But here's the reality. In the hecticness and the busyness of your life, you forget what Jesus has done for you. So let's ask ourselves that question. Let's pause for a moment. Let's let, here's the words. What I want you to do? Take a deep breath. Let it out. And let all as you let that breath out, let all the junk of this week, let all the junk of last week disappear with your breath. And I want you to focus on this one thought: Has He touched your life? Has He touched your life? Has Jesus? touched your life. You say, I'm having a hard time comprehending that. Has He forgiven you? Has He answered prayer? Has He intervened in the most of difficult circumstances and you know it was God? Has that still small voice been whispering to you? Has He touched your life? Have you experienced Jesus' salvation? Have he, has He touched your life? Think about that for a moment. I mean, let everything else go away immediately. I know some of you, you're like me. Okay, I put it out of my mind, but uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. No, no, just put it away. Has He touched your life? So that brings up the next question. What is your response to Him? And, and listen, don't, don't give me this. I'm too busy. I just told you to forget about all that stuff, didn't I? What's your response to Him? What's your response to the one who died for you? What's your response to the one who gave his life that your junk and your life would be forgiven? What's your response to him? Is it you're too busy? Or are you like those ladies that we just read about? What can I do, Jesus? Now, I understand some of you are saying here, well, I I used to be that way, but somebody told me I couldn't. Forgive them. And as a pastor, I apologize. But if He saved you, He has a purpose for you. 
and he wants to do something through your life, what's your response to him? What's your response to him? Which brings up the last point, and then I'm going to share something with you. Respond to his grace. You know, my prayer is is that you would get so overwhelmed by the cross of Jesus Christ that it would so overwhelm you what He did for you that you would be so thankful for the salvation that you have that you would say, Jesus, what do you want from me? I'll do it because you gave me my life back. Respond to Him. I've been telling you for now for at least two years now, for those of you who have been coming for at least two years know, every once in a while I'll bring this up. So I'm bringing it up again. I do not think, once you hear me, I do not think it is a mistake that you are here in this church. I believe very strongly that God is about to do something. And a lot of you are seeing that now. A lot of you are like, yeah, I can see it. I can see it, George. I can sense it. That God, you're, you're getting ready to do something through us. God, you want to use us. And, and, and so I, I want to I share that with you. What's your response to Jesus? Because, folks, He wants to do something through you that's beyond anything you've thought of. He wants you to touch your neighbors. He wants you to touch those you work with. He wants you to touch the outcasts. He wants you to touch the affluent. He wants you to touch people in the name of Jesus Christ that they would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He's doing something. It's coming. It's happening. You're not here by mistake. He wants to do something. He wants us to be the kind of church where we can reach anyone. And in fact, isn't that what, I mean, just a year, more than a year ago, a year and a half ago, I prayed and said, Lord, what is your vision for our church? And it was very clear to me. And I, here's what it is. A church of real people. You know what real people are? Real people. Don't put on airs. What you see is what you get. Real that's what he wants us to be. It's real. We're not here to impress each other. What you see is what you get. Church of real people where anyone can come. That means it doesn't matter if they're union or non-union. It doesn't matter if they voted for this guy or not. It doesn't matter if they root for the Steelers or not. Anyone can come. Church of real people where anyone can come. What? And find Jesus Christ. He's the hope, my friends. We're, you know, it's good for us to watch the news and say, man, the world's going to, oh my goodness, what's going to happen now? And Oh, is there any hope? And man, I thought that guy could do it. He didn't do it. We voted for that guy and he can't do it. What's the hope? The hope's Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. They're not coming because we're not real. And they're not coming because we've been guarding the gate, letting certain people come in and telling the others, you know, you might be good going somewhere else. And is it any wonder the world's going falling apart the way it is. He's telling us be a church of real people where anyone can come and find Jesus Christ and learn to walk in obedience. Obedience to what? To Jesus. That's what He wants us to be. But you know what? In order for us to be that, we've got to respond. Respond to George? No, don't respond to what I'm saying. You respond to what? His grace. It's coming, folks, but we've got to get ready. Now you say, how do we need to get ready? You've got to start responding to Jesus. That's getting ready. When he tells you you've got to give up some junk in your life, you don't need to sit there and hold on to it. You need to give it up. When he tells you, I want you to minister and reach out to that person over there, you reach out and minister to them because he reached out to you. So, folks, it's coming. So what am I asking? Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Respond to his grace. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.